Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA. I'm your host, Randy Crabtree. The goal of our show is to keep you at the forefront of the changing face of public accounting by having conversations with fascinating leaders and bringing you their stories, insights, and advice. The Unique CPA podcast is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is John Hubbard. John is a director with Boomer Consulting. He helps accounting firms find success in the areas of leadership, talent, and growth. John is a facilitator for Boomer, and listen for the theme here, Boomer P3 Leadership Academy, Boomer Talent Circle, Boomer Marketing and Business Development Circle, and Boomer Next Gen Leadership or Leader Circle. Obviously, they got branding down. He also guides firms to grow and be more effective in the areas of client service, marketing, and business development. John speaks at various industry conferences, user conferences, state societies, and associations. He is a Story Brand Certified Guide and Certified Colby Consultant. John, I'm stopping there. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Branding. It seems, seems to be a thing, huh? It is. And it's a huge opportunity for accounting firms. And so you mentioned the Story Brand Certified Guide. And I spent a lot of times with accounting firms helping them clarify their messaging so they can talk about what they do in a way that is more compelling. So I mentioned, in the, and you just mentioned as well, Story Brand and uh, Colby. I honestly have very little idea, probably no idea what that means. Um, so before we jump into some other things, can you give us an idea what Story Brand and Colby are? Yeah. So Story Brand is a framework created by Donald Miller, a framework that helps organizations clarify their marketing messaging right? If we don't have a framework in which to develop our messaging, then we usually end up talking about ourselves. And I think that's one thing the, the um, accounting profession has done over the years is spend too much time talking about themselves and less time talking about their clients. So that's the story brand piece, the Colby piece. And actually, Randy, I just got notified that I've been a certified Colby consultant for 10 years as wow. of this month. Congrats. So, uh, thanks. So what Colby is, um, in its simplest form, it is an assessment that we've been using for decades to help individuals within accounting firms understand their instinctive strengths. That's unrelated to personality. That's unrelated to your cognitive ability. So Randy, you and I know each other. We get along. Um, we have different backgrounds, but Even separate from that, we have a different way of how we instinctively get things done. And as firms are really thinking about putting the right people on the, you know, in the right seats on the bus, you have to consider the instinctive strengths of that individual. And Colby helps you do that. Nice. That's, that's, a, that's a topic that's come up actually a few times on the podcast. Uh, 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 what's the book? I can't remember it. You may know um, where a guy talks about the right person, right seat. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm blanking on the name of it, but I know what yeah. you're talking about. No, yeah. and, and, and I, I just actually was on another podcast last week mentioning that I need to read that book. So I need to remember what it is, but it does come up in the same concept that you just said. All right. Well, that thanks for the education. Uh-huh. Um, I appreciate that. And I can kind of uh, vouch for the 
the story brand, I know you and I went through that, at least on our marketing meetings. And is that the same concept we're using on the business development meetings? Is that following the story brand concept? Yeah. So there are definitely some story brand connections with how you think about developing business, launching services, and growing your firm. So as we dive into the business development piece, um, I can touch on that as well. Okay, great. Well, you just got a tease of what we do want to talk about today. So, and I did, I, I did meet John fairly recently. I feel like I've known him a long time. He is an easy guy to get to know. As you hear him speak today, he's a very calming influence <laughs> listening to him speak. And so when we're discussing, I may just introduce him in the topic we're going and just be quiet because I'm just going to enjoy uh, the dulcet tones of John Hubbard as he explains what we're going to be going through today. I don't know if that's a word, dulcet. There's some kind of word out there that uh, <laughs> the, the calming influence that John's speaking is. So I thought it'd be really interesting. I know you have all kinds of programs and I know marketing and business development are key areas that, that you're uh, passionate about helping firms with. And the situation that we're currently in as a as a world but as cpa firms we're, we're in a strange area it's not the uh it's not the 2020 we expected we've had a never-ending tax season which just to let everybody know you and i are uh recording on october 14th i don't think this will be released till november and maybe early december but technically tax season is going to end tomorrow uh, um, i'm sure with ppp loans and everything else it's not going to feel like it's ending but but with the unique situation we're in right now as CPA firms, we're looking to help our clients still uh, with a lot of things that we never would even realize we were going to be helping them with eight months ago. Um, but in addition to helping them, we need to help our business too. We need to continue to grow and support our business internally. And, and so in this current environment, how do we go out and do business development when majority of us are still in a virtual setting? Right. And that's a really good question, Randy. And one, a lot of firms are asking themselves. And, and before we dive in to the process and to the um, eight-step framework we coach firms on, I really want to back up a bit and say, and kind of tag on to what you were saying as well, in terms of the current environment and maybe how that has brought to light the opportunities and the needs firms have and their clients have. So I was just speaking with a firm yesterday and they said, hey, this COVID season didn't create any new opportunities for us. It exposed the fact that we had them all along and we did not see them. Right. And so, yeah, there were definitely some new things that were created during this COVID oh, yeah. season, but a lot of firms are at least the ones that are really leveraging the opportunity here are now starting to see we actually had this opportunity all along well before COVID. We just didn't prioritize it and we did not move fast enough. And so, you know, kind of diving into the framework we coach firms on and we call it the firm pipeline builder. So a lot of firms are coming to us, Randy, saying, how do I grow my firm? virtually? How do I develop business virtually? And we have demystified that process for firms and really 
have broken it down into eight steps and that eight step process we call the firm pipeline builder. Here's what's interesting about this, Randy, is there are definitely flavors and customizations that will happen within the eight step firm pipeline builder process that really are factoring in the virtual piece. Okay. However, the fundamental process is something that you should be doing, whether you're meeting with clients in person, whether you're going out to conferences, you know, shaking hands, meeting in offices, you should be doing this anyways, um, even in person. So this process isn't isolated to just a virtual setting, though it works extremely well in the virtual setting. And we can talk about how that works. So Randy, from your perspective, is that a, is that a fair setup? I think that's a fair setup. And in reality, you know, as I'm thinking of this, we're obviously our audience is CPAs, but this is a, a system that would work for anybody that's out doing business development, correct? You're exactly right. Right. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that. So as we dive into this eight step process, there's a couple things that um, I want to kind of tee this up with. One is this does work for any profession. It is not just accounting firms. So as you think about growing your specific services, growing your specific organization, if you hear me use examples of, you know, around accounting firm, just know it can work for any, any organization. Right. Second is this eight step process is, is designed to be a framework that you can use and customize in a way that's most advantageous to you. Now, of course, there are some solid principles you should be using within each of these eight steps. Some people call those best practices. I prefer to use the term solid principles, but you know there are definitely some solid principles to use within these eight steps, but this whole framework is designed so you can understand it and then customize it in a way that is specific to you. I would be really leery right now of anyone that is trying to tell you to follow a very rigid business development process because there's too much complexity in our yep. market today. Yep. There's, too, there's too much opportunity in our market today. And so having a framework we have found to be most beneficial. Great. Well, let's, uh, let's I think, jump into the eight-step uh, education then. Sure. So the eight steps, and I'm going to list them off, and then I'm going to talk about kind of the key components of each of the eight steps. We don't have enough time to really dive into every single aspect of this, but frankly, I don't think you you would be interested in hearing that in that level of detail, at least to start, because I think this is going to be something you need to digest. But step one is assessing your goals. Step two is anticipating your potential services. Step three is identifying your targets. Step four is scheduling calls. Step five is conducting discovery calls. Step six is also conducting deep dive calls. Step seven is delivering the service. And step eight is providing coaching and accountability. So now that I've kind of listed those off, let's start with the first one. And that is assessing your goal. So if you're sitting there listening to this thinking, I need to be developing business. I need to be growing my practice. I need to be growing my organization. You first have to get very clear on your goals. And a goal is not, I want to grow. 
that is not a goal. That may be an aspiration, but that's not a goal. A goal needs to be, and I think we've all heard, you know, smart, specific, measurable, actionable, you know, all that. Let's apply some of those principles. You need to be able to clearly articulate your revenue goals and what you're looking to achieve in step one. So you can then work backwards and build a whole strategy around driving toward that goal. So, if so you're is, working- is the goal always a revenue goal? I mean, is it, hey, we want to be doing more cross-selling. We have these services that we've been ignoring and we have such a client base that could probably benefit from. So when you're identifying goal, I'm assuming there's multiple goals, but being specific, you just said is a key. Yes. No, you're exactly right. In step one, and again, we're thinking professional services here. We're thinking about growing a practice in step one, Randy, and that's a really good question. We do want to strive for revenue goals. You'll see as we go throughout these steps, there's actually other goals that will come into it, right? But the idea is as best as you can, how can you actually articulate and define the revenue goals you have. And just going through that exercise will will assist you in, in gaining clarity in several different things. So step one is all about assessing your goal. Some of you have three-year goals, one-year goals, quarterly goals, monthly goals. You can, and this is where the, customize, the customization piece comes in, where you can really start to apply how you think about revenue goals and how you can line it up with this strategy there. Well, my goal that I just said is an hourly goal. And my goal is to not interrupt you too much. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great goal too. You know, that works. So now that you have, have your goal, sometimes this is something you can just define by yourself. Other times it takes a team, but really what are we trying to achieve? Are we trying to develop a million dollars of new business for the organization as a whole? Are we trying to develop the service line and double it? You know, the more specific you can get around your goal, then steps two through eight will become a lot easier and will be a lot more helpful to that. So at a high level, starting with your goals there. Now, step two is anticipate potential service and services. So this whole eight step process is around you actually taking action and making something happen. This is not just, you know, a bunch of fluff here. So some of these steps are really broken down, but step two is anticipate potential services. So now that we know our goal, right, this is what we're trying to do. And let me give an example. We want to grow our consulting practice, $1 million. I'll just make that up. $1 million. We want to grow our consulting practice. Well, where do we want that growth to come from? What services do we currently have in place that we want to grow? Or maybe what what services do we not have in place, but we actually need to create to accomplish that growth, so that growth goal? So that is anticipating potential services. It's essentially connecting the dots from what you determined in step one to step two, which is, okay, Given this, here's the anticipated service offering that we really want to start to um, wrap our arms around, talk with our clients about, talk with prospects about, right? This can also include where do we see our clients having problems right now? Randy, you mentioned the COVID piece, right? Is what your clients and my clients and professional services firms' clients 
were thinking about over the last four months was different than before. And the more you understand that, the better. And you'll see later on in this process, you will get the opportunity to talk with clients about that. So but I am going to interrupt. So, oh, see, I told you, I, I, mean, I didn't make my goal already. So you're going to have to work with me more because my goals have not been met. Um, anticipated service, potential services. So as we're going through that, do we have to be flexible on that too? Because eight months ago, none of us would have thought we'd be spending so much time with PPP loans. We may have had this revenue goal. We may have new service goal. All of a sudden we have this new service offering we never knew would have even existed. Do we, do we somehow build that in to anticipate, you know, be prepared for taking advantage of new opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really great question. So you have to be flexible in this. That's why, and you know, just the act of anticipation should include flexibility there. So you need to be open to new services. You also need to anticipate what current services do we have that we want to grow but we may need to augment or change. So let me give you an example, Randy. I mentioned the consulting example in a million dollars, right? Um, I was working with an organization who was wanting to take a strategic planning service to their client base. And that strategic planning service was a very high price service. It was very dependent on a multi-day commitment. And it was also kind of required from the client that they include a lot of people in it. Well, through coaching with them, we got to step two, let's anticipate what you know about your clients and what you know about what they're experiencing right now. Let's anticipate what would a smaller price point, more bite-sized approach to a strategic planning engagement look like? How, how can you make that fee more digestible and how can you work specifically with just a few key individuals within that organization? Because right now, that's what your clients need right now. That's what's keeping them up at night. And through that process, they were able to grow their strategic planning service and actually get a lot more action a lot sooner on it by anticipating how they could evolve that to make it more valuable to where their clients are today. Does that answer your question, Randy? Yep, great, thanks. So once you've anticipated those services, then step three, is going to be identify targets. So step one is you have clarity on your goals. Step two, you're kind of connecting the dots and matching up with current services or possibly new services that need to be created or the augmentation of current services. Now you, you get to step three, who do we need to be targeting so we can have conversations around these types of services that will help us achieve our business goals? Who do we need to be targeting? And this is really breaking down and really identifying your target audience, your ideal client. Some of those may already be existing clients. Some of those may be prospective clients, right? But getting clarity on who do we actually need to be reaching out to and having conversations with. We often bucket these in stage three in two main categories. And they're both in the top 20, top 20 targets, top 20 sphere of influence. So top 20 targets is who are the 20 individuals that if I could have conversations with them about these services that we're looking to grow or to take to market, and they're actually check writers, people that can actually purchase these services, who would those individuals be? Most of the time, let's identify 20 to start with. They may be existing clients. They may be 
prospects. And then the second category we use within this, Randy, is the top 20 sphere of influence. Here are the 20 individuals that if, um, maybe they're not check writers and, and they're not the end buyer of this, but they're well connected with the people I want to be reaching. They will provide me valuable feedback. Maybe they've been down this road already and, is, and are doing something similar for another target audience that you know I can learn from. But really, it helps you have clarity on the targets that you need to be having conversations with. So step three, once you have your targets identified, and I told you this whole process is about taking action and right. something happen. So I was just going to give you a hard time. I said, so So you identified me as an influencer. So you targeted me to get on this podcast because you knew you could get the message out exactly. to your audience. And I'm kidding completely on that <laughs> because you did not target me. I uh, I invited you to do this because I think it's important information. But right, right. Hard time. No, exactly. So <laughs> step four, it's all about making calls happen. Now there, you know, I told you, and you set this up, Randy, there is a flavor of this in the virtual piece. So you see four here is schedule calls. Once we get back into the quote, new normal, maybe these are scheduling conversations, you know, that can happen in person at client sites, at conferences, things of that sort. But the whole point is you have to initiate that outreach and you got to get conversations on the calendar. The whole point of this process is to demystify this process for everyone, demystify developing business. And when we work with professional services organizations, they feel like often from, from our experience that they need to have all the answers in place for everything before they even have one conversation. And that is not what happens here. What happens in step four is reaching out to them with the message of, hey, we are looking to grow XYZ service. We are looking to grow in this area. We are looking to help you navigate you know, this season of COVID. And we wanna have a strategic conversation with you about what's keeping you up at night. We've anticipated how we might be able to help your organization run smoother. And we wanna have a conversation with you about that. But it's actually getting those on the calendar. And is that, a, is that a, I'm assuming it's a combination of individuals within the firm doing it. I mean, existing clients, it's easy enough for me to pick up a phone call and, and, and say this, you know, targeting new clients, is that the same? Or do you, obviously it's not a one size fit all thing, opportunity here, but do you go, do you have, you know, just people setting up these, you know, making cold calls, how, how maybe this is deeper than we need to go, but that's my question. No, and it's a really great question, Randy. So you're obviously already connected the dots on this step too. So sometimes that looks like, and just by the act of saying, we're going to schedule conversations makes you ask all those strategic questions, Randy, which is good, which kind of shows the value in this step. So sometimes let's say you want to reach out to 20 individuals, right? You have your top 20 from step three, maybe five of those are ones I have relationships with and I can just send that message email to them and say, this is what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to have a conversation with you. Maybe there are six others of those top 20 that are, that are, Hey, you know, Randy, you and I work together. You have a great relationship with XYZ. Let's say we were, you know, a part of the same organization. Yep. Would you mind reaching out to them? Absolutely. So it's all about leveraging the relationships currently in place. Let's say there is not a relationship in place and it's truly a prospect, then 
And this is where I'm going to connect it to the story brand piece, Randy, that you brought up earlier is the more that that message to a prospect can be about them and less about you, the more likely it will result in a conversation. So if I were to read, you know, let's say, Randy, you and I did not have a relationship and I reached out to you and I said, hey, we are working with a lot of organizations on how to navigate this season of covid you were, you know, one of the founders of TriMerit. You had a, a successful career. I really want to pick your brain on how you see your organization navigating this season and maybe how you're coaching others. And I'd love to share with you kind of how we're thinking about growing some existing services in this season. Now, you're the person that is going to be giving advice and we're going to be having a conversation. And it's true. It's not misleading. It's true. We're just fine-tuning our messaging. That's much better than the five messages I get a day saying, hey, I can get you more clients. <laughs> exactly. I get those every day too. Yep. And I just delete them because because yep. it's not about me. They don't know me. Right. And they don't know you. And, and you know what they have to offer is not going to work. Right. And so, yeah, step four is all about scheduling those calls. Now, I say I'm not going to have enough time to get into all the details. I will mention one thing here. Using a scheduling tool, like actually the same tool you use to schedule with me, Randy, to do this podcast, Acuity Scheduling. Using a scheduling tool in this stage where you have predefined times on your calendar, and as you reach out to people, being able to say simply click this link to schedule a call with me really cuts down on the back and forth. We see a lot of firms um, kind of drop the ball during this stage because there's a lot of extra back and forth and they they forget right. to follow up and then schedules get complicated and things like that. So this is where I would really use a scheduling tool. Now, step five is, all right, I got that call on the calendar, now what? <laughs> Now I need to have a conversation, right? We call the first conversation you have. It doesn't have to be the first time you have a conversation with a client, but you reach out to get a call set. We're calling this a discovery call, right? There's no pressure. It's not a sales call. It's not a sales pitch. It's not a presentation call. It is literally a discovery call. And here are some key objectives, Randy. Um, We coach firms on having and accomplishing during this stage. And that is one, you need to understand that individual's pain. You need to put yourself in their shoes and really seek to understand what pain they're currently having. If you go in and start to talk about you and the services you have without first understanding their pain, you are going to miss a huge opportunity to match up your needs, or sorry, your services with their needs. So we call it understanding pain. Then asking questions like, how could you see us helping you accomplish overcoming that pain, minimizing that pain, getting more clarity, right? Making it a collaborative conversation. You may have sitting in your back pocket a list of services that you know without a doubt can make their lives better. But if you jump in too soon and start saying that, they're going to tune out. It needs to be a collaborative conversation. So yeah, we have some ideas on how we can help you with that. But I want to hear from you. How do you think we could help you? What does a successful partner look like to help you 
overcome this problem. Really asking for their input there. I can uh, vouch for the uh, discovery call. Uh, uh, John, you may remember this. You and I were on a uh, an all-day uh, webinar that you were running, or not webinar, but it was a personalized uh, conference with our, our company. Right. And I had to get off for a call. We have a company that will schedule calls for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than uh, spending the time explaining who we are to them, I use that as a let's uh, discover what your pain issues are. And, and being uneducated still at that time, time, at least enough to know that I was doing it wrong. That was one of the best calls I had and still in touch with that gentleman uh, today, you know, a month later. So yeah, no, I can vouch for sure. uh, You know, changing the way you have that initial cause, or I guess that's the second, the initial call, definitely beneficial. All right, go ahead. Right. No, no, that's a, that's a great input there. So what also happens on this, when you focus on understanding the pain, this is where you start to possibly learn how to augment your service, how to launch, you know, what services you should be launching or should be delivering. You learn so much when you actually have the right questions to ask and, and understand the pain that they're experiencing. So with that in mind, discovering that call and having that discovery call, here's what I would say, take the pressure off yourself to have answers during the discovery call right? This is why a lot of individuals don't have these calls as they think they need to have answers and they need to end the call with some conclusive recommendation and statement about how they can solve all those problems. Take the pressure off yourself. So step five is just literally conduct that call, have that conversation. Step six is conduct the deep dive call. So between step five and step six, this is your opportunity to end step five and that call with, let me go back to my team. I got a few individuals that I want to speak with internally that are going to help me gain more clarity on how we can package something for you to help you overcome these problems. Now, obviously, if you have all the information you need to on that call to turn it into a deep dive conversation, by all means, do it. But my main point of breaking these steps up is take the pressure off yourself on that first call to have all these answers. It simply does not need to happen. So in between step five and step six, there are a couple key things you need to do. Really think through, how can you put together some packages? Keyword is packages, right? Multiple packages. There's not only one path to success with your clients and prospects. So the more you can create packages, a small, medium, and large, a bronze, gold, platinum, whatever you want to call it, right? You need to be able to give your clients and prospects multiple paths to success by going through this exercise too for you know just for you it will help you understand how you can best help them so you get that in place and ideally at the end of step five you end that discovery call with when's our next conversation let's get that next conversation on the calendar right so randy it's It's been great speaking with you. Let's schedule our next call for next Wednesday. Let's get it on the calendar. And in the meantime, I'm going to talk with my team internally. I'm going to put together some packages and some options for how we can help you. Um, You let me know if you have any additional thoughts between now and our next conversation, but be expect to have 
kind of a deep dive conversation around how we can exactly help you, right? So then you actually have that call, that deep dive call. And this is when you can start to talk a little bit more about yourself, a little bit more about how you can help them specifically. But the tone of this conversation is around collaboration, right? We've done some heavy lifting from our last call to now. Um, I'm going to put some packages in front of you. I'm going to put some options in front of you. But this is a class, you know, this is a collaborative approach. So I want to hear from you what resonates with you. I want to hear from you what you think is missing the mark and let's build a solution together. So even if it ends up not being one of those three packages, but a fourth one, right. great. Having the three packages help though, get to that fourth one. So that's the purpose of that deep dive calls. When you really start to dive into those components. Number seven is step number seven. Let's say you have that deep dive call in step six, you put packages in front of them. You have conversations around those packages. Of course, they're priced appropriately. Let's say they choose one and it comes time to deliver that service, right? Step seven, and you know, at face value, you can think how is delivering a service part of a business development process? And so here's, here's why it is. How you position the delivery of a service that has already been sold will best tee you up for additional services in the future. For example, if you go out and let's say do a strategic planning service, I'll just keep using that as an example because it's an easy one to understand. Hey, we're there to accomplish a strategic plan to develop a strategic plan. I'm not here to sell you anything. That's not what I'm trying to do here, but we're not going to be able to solve all your process issues. We're not going to be able to solve all your technology issues in this engagement. But what we are going to do is being able, you know, to create a one page strategic plan for your organization. See how I just teed that up at the beginning. So you have to think about how does the delivery of the service actually tee up future work that can happen on the front end of the delivery right as we start the project together yep. as we start the engagement that can happen in the middle that can happen at the end you have to you know strategically think about how does the delivery of this service actually tee up future work right this is the biggest opportunity we say generally speaking 60 percent of the opportunity is within your current client base within the ones that you're currently already delivering services to that's where the majority of your opportunity lies there i can see that yep right now step eight and this is so important and such a big missed opportunity for professional services organizations especially and that is providing the ongoing coaching and accountability so something we hear, whether it's a, you know, an accounting firm or law firm or any other professional services type organization is, hey, these higher level consulting services that we're looking to develop are less reoccurring. They're more one-stop shops. They're more, you know, one-off projects, I guess, is a better way to say that. And the reason they're saying that is because they have not built in ongoing coaching and accountability. So the best way, and if you only take one thing out of this whole podcast, take this one away. The best way to turn 
high-level consulting services into year-after-year reoccurring services or, you know, to become reoccurring services is building in coaching and accountability. So how can you build in coaching and accountability to a service you have that looks like, what does it look like to have conversations every month or every three months? Or um, how can you coach them along in their success? How can you hold them accountable to the goals that they're trying to accomplish? That's why it's so important to, you know, in that discovery call to, un- to uncover those and to have those conversations. And so you need to be committed to their success. Don't let the, you know, this be optional. I was working with a firm last week and they say, yeah, we offer coaching and accountability to all of our clients, but only some of them use it. And I go, well, how many use it? He says one out of like, you know, 200 clients. And I'm like, why that's the most valuable thing you're creating and that is the that is the thing that's so dismissive to to the client they're so willing to say that because they don't know so you have to require it what would it look like to require hey in order for us to work with you we need you to commit as well to the to this ongoing coaching and accountability and that connects you and keeps you plugged in throughout the year and turns work, high-level consulting work into reoccurring work. So what is the, give me an example, coaching accountability here. We just set up this new program for you. And now we're going to follow up. We're going to talk each month about how it's going. Are you having issues? Uh, are you staying in the path? And, you know, that's the accountability part, I guess, as well. But I mean, I'm simplifying it, but down that path. That's, ex- yeah, that's exactly it. Because as they make as they make progress based off the work you're doing with them, they will run into new roadblocks. They'll discover new dangers, new opportunities, new strengths that they have, right? And so staying in tune with that. You know, it's also holding them accountable. It's not just right. coaching. It's hold- So, you know, Randy, you said when we, when we were working together three months ago, you said you were going to accomplish X, Y, Z. Where are you on that? Why haven't you done that? What roadblocks are you hitting? How can I help you get through that? Um, So it's the coaching and the accountability piece. So do you build like KPIs into that that they need to meet or is that part of it? Yes, you, you actually, especially from the accountability piece, you build in some goals that you develop with them that have due dates that are measurable. Okay. And then you actually care about those goals for that client, how are you accomplishing those goals? You know, there's a term that is thrown around and has been thrown around for years in our profession, and that's the trusted advisor, right? And everyone has their their techniques and opinions on what it means to be a trusted advisor. I would submit to you that a trusted advisor is someone that can coach and hold individuals accountable. It's not being the most technical expert in your field. It's not technical expertise. It's it's the coaching and the accountability and how you hold people to their goals and, and help them achieve them. All right. So that, and then maybe I'm cutting you off too early, but that was a, good, a great high-level introduction to this eight-step, uh, you call it steps, right? Eight-step program. Um, obviously I'm guessing this is a, you know, eight hour program to educate. Is it longer than that when you're going through all these with a firm? Right. So yeah, when I'm working with an organization on this, we would typically take at least one day 
with a specific service or a specific segment or niche in mind and actually walk through what this process looks like. I mentioned the sound principles or the best practices in each step that, that we just don't have time to really dive into. But there's a lot of strategies around, let's say, step number four of having those discovery calls, right? There's a lot of strategy. So we actually spend a whole day together breaking it down and saying exactly what does that process look like? How do you go through these eight steps? And then we end with a lot of clarity. And Randy, I practice what I preach. If I do work with an organization on going through these eight steps, you better believe they're going to be held accountable and coached on a regular basis in accordance to that. Well, I know you do have a call later today with uh, with my partner, Andy. So I don't know right, if that's right. part of the accountability. Exactly. or right. It is. It is. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He told me that, that that was coming this afternoon. So great. And you guys are doing that weekly right now, right? Yeah. It seems to be every other week is what we're doing. But that's because we're in a we're in a really kind of a granular coaching and accountability phase right now with just accomplishing some really big objectives. But yep. that's what you have to be committed to, to your clients to be able to help them actually achieve what they want to achieve. And that's the, you know, Randy hasn't, or um, Andy hasn't said this term with me specifically, but I would imagine he views what I'm doing as a trusted advisor type role. And not because of what I did necessarily with the full day workshop, but because I'm committed to his success and I, and we have built into the relationship ongoing coaching and accountability. So it's been great. It, it's, I honestly, and, and I told you this when we got on the original call, I was a little skeptical um, just because I'm old school. You know, if you've got the biggest yellow page ad, you're doing your marketing and you're doing, right, your, right. <laughs> you're doing your, uh, your advertising out there. No, not quite to that level, but boy, just getting into this, uh, I, not to sound like I'm a, a sales uh, pitch for you because I think this information is invaluable and I think every firm can, can benefit from it. But for us personally, for me personally, it was really eye opening. So I appreciate you sharing what, what you shared today with everybody and and uh, hopefully people won't uh, be afraid to reach out and, and try to get more information from you. Before we uh, segue into something else, anything you want to wrap up on that? Yeah, I just want to reiterate the eight-step process, again, is designed to be flexible, designed to be customized. And so while you heard some, some kind of overview here, there may be some things within each eight step that you want to tweak and you know adjust for you but the best business development process you can have is one that uses a framework that uses a process but has also been customized with you your team your services your clients in mind nice that, that's that's a great wrap up i appreciate that so as i mentioned as i teased at the beginning uh, you'd all have a nice calming effect listening to john uh, speak which i don't know what it is about your voice it just has that uh, has it in there but i found out earlier today he's also has a calming effect at least to me as a as the i see this as calming a you call the cellist you play the cello right yes i do play the cello so you ask you know Kind of a, you know, a fun fact about myself, maybe something more personal. And I do play the cello and I have for years. And um, I mentioned to you, my wife plays the violin. I play the cello. My uh, two boys are starting to take violin lessons. They're five and two. Wow. And they're already doing violin lessons. And 
one thing we talked about, Randy, kind of related to that and is one of the things I find to be most interesting about the cello is just the fact that I often feel like a newbie. You're always learning something new. You're always practicing a technique. You're always coming up against a new obstacle or a new challenge as you learn a Bach piece or, hmm. you know, something of that sort. And as we, as professionals, um, and I think we would probably both consider ourselves, Randy, high functioning professionals, right? People that are, that are able to accomplish what they want to accomplish and stick to goals and things of that sort. It's always, it's always good to feel like a newbie at something and to actually be a newbie at something. And I think that keeps you sharp. I think that keeps you disciplined and kind of focused on lifelong learning. So that's one of the reasons I play the cello. All right. Well, I told you in our pregame discussion, I'm going to have to get a, uh, a video of uh, one of these uh, in the home concerts at some right, point. Right. Uh, uh, I actually like listening to string instruments and it is calming effect to me as well. So, so, oh, well, that was a fun fact. And you, you said this is not a, you know, you, you haven't been a lifelong cellist. Uh, it's right. more recent, right? Yeah, it is more recent. I think I started playing about eight years ago. And then when my first son was born, it got put on the back burner. And so I didn't play for a few years and I picked it back up actually last year and have really made it a daily practice and something I am really enjoying and, you know, committing to. So it's not like I was you know, playing a cello at age five or anything. So, so it's the newbie thing is like you're saying. Yeah. It's, yeah. I guess, honestly, I do that too. And this podcast is one of us. I never expected to be doing a podcast. We've been doing it for a right. year now. I think uh, I probably should look at the date we released the first podcast, but I think we're really close to a year in mm -hmm. uh, to that. And believe me, I'm learning constantly. I think I, I started out, uh, out of the gate pretty well. I think I had a little lull for a few shows, and I think we're coming back strong now with the John Hubbard show for sure. No, the last <laughs> few I've been very happy with. So so I really, really, really appreciate you being on today. Before we do uh, close out the show, um, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, website, uh, you know, email, yep. social media, whatever you want to share. Yeah, absolutely. So Boomer Consulting's website is boomer.com. Pretty simple mm -hmm. web address there. Boomer.com if you want to learn more about us. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. I try and do a good job of um, always posting information related to kind of what you heard in this episode, but even other marketing and business business development related topics. I post videos as well. So look me up on LinkedIn. And I'm also pretty active on Twitter. Um, John Hubbard, J-O-N-H-U-B-B-A-R-D. And you can find me on both of those platforms. Well, that, that's great. And I can vouch for your uh, LinkedIn postings there. They're, they're always in, informative. So I appreciate that. Well, thanks again for being here today. I, I, I really, I said that already, but I really, really, really do appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. And you can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode, where we'll be going beyond compliance into forging new pathways of delivering value to clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and leading edge management techniques and styles. This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.